listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Pyre from our network headquarters in Los Angeles. We will be connecting with Las Vegas momentarily, just having some technical difficulties on this uh, Wednesday. Welcome aboard for the next hour or so. We'll start to get you prepped for week 14 in the NFL, where there is a lot of news, and it starts Sunday night in Green Bay when the Packers take on the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears getting Justin Fields back under center after he missed some time with rib injuries. Now, this was Bears head coach Matt Nagy earlier today talking about Fields' status. This comes down to, for him, like I've been saying the whole time, it's a pain deal that we can't really simulate, but we go off of what he says, we go off of what our doctors say. And when, when he's fully cleared like he is, then we're ready to rock and roll. He's the starter when he's healthy, and that's where we're at. So that's where Fields and the Bears and Nagy are at right now. Andy Dalton goes back to his role as being the backup quarterback. And there's news out of Green Bay. We've known that Green Bay's defense has been hampered by injuries. Hasn't maybe shown their results this year, but no Jair Alexander for a while. Zadarius Smith has been out of action. Well, in regard to Alexander, officially designated to return from injured reserve, the cornerback was going to practice today, so he could be back for Green Bay as soon as this Sunday against Chicago. Still waiting on Zadarius Smith and obviously David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, also trying to get healthy, but Green Bay getting healthy as we get closer to the end of the regular season. Not the only big news in the NFL today when it comes to injuries as we get set for Week 14 in the NFL. The Saints have a big matchup. uh, Well, I guess a big matchup for them. They face the Jets coming up on Sunday. But New Orleans is expected to have Taysom Hill at quarterback for that game. He was able to practice fully today despite that mallet finger injury that he suffered last Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe most importantly for New Orleans, Alvin Kamara. Kamara back at practice today. A full practice for Kamara as he's missed the team's last four games because of a sprained ligament in his knee. Now with Kamara out of action, the Saints relied heavily on Mark Ingram. Ingram's status for Sunday now up in the air after he was placed on the reserve COVID list for New England. So something to watch as we get closer to that showdown on Sunday with the Saints and Jets. I guess as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad, but getting Taysom Hill back on the field, getting Alvin Kamara back, the two good news bits for New Orleans while Mark Ingram dealing with COVID issues. By the way, COVID issues are everywhere in the National Football League and also in the NBA uh, where the Chicago Bulls are down four players. Uh, John Morant of the Grizzlies entered the NBA's COVID protocols. But to stick with the theme of what's happening in the NFL, the Chargers did have to place wide receiver Mike Williams on the COVID reserve. 
reserve list. He was deemed a close contact to Keenan Allen, who tested positive earlier this week. So Williams does have an opportunity to play for the Chargers. But again, not a test uh, testing positive situation for Williams, but again, just one where he would be uh, available possibly because he's a close contact. Chargers have the Giants coming to town on Sunday. Montez Sweat was supposed to come back from Washington after that jaw injury. He's out after testing positive for COVID. One other bit of news with Washington, they placed tight end Logan Thomas on injured reserve with a knee injury. And uh, getting ready for Thursday's game, uh, Vikings and Steelers, Minnesota wide receiver Adam Thielen not going to play against Pittsburgh, already ruled out because of his high ankle sprain. As for Dalvin Cook, he is questionable with a shoulder injury. So that kind of gets you caught up of what's happening in Week 14 uh, as we get closer to Week 14 in the NFL when it comes to injury-wise and practices to throughout the day in the National Football League. It is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I am not R.J. Bell. I am not A.J. Hoffman either. We are just having some technical difficulties in connecting with the guys in Las Vegas. Uh, it happens. It happens. So you've got me, Dan Byer, sitting at the Fox Sports Radio studios in L.A. Uh, taking over for the guys in the meantime as we try to get them uh, all connected and get you set and telling you where you need to place your money and where you need to look when thinking about placing your money because that's what we do here on straight out of vegas i'm just going to look to the window to the guys to be did we do we have rj and aj just yet we do not have those guys just yet so you're gonna have me for the next couple of hours or excuse me next couple of minutes a lot better than ours next couple of minutes dallas cowboys have a big big game against washington coming up on on sunday cowboys could have got some breathing room in that division if washington uh would have been unable to play that uh to come back and get that win against the raiders in week 13 but now the nfc east remains up for grabs cowboys head coach mike mccarthy saying that randy gregory should return uh, at least to the practice field after missing four games with a calf injury. They're hopeful that he can come back. And then you have McCarthy's status. I kind of jokingly said COVID is is everywhere, uh, not only in the NFL but in the NBA. And obviously Dallas was hit with it last week because of uh, McCarthy's status where he was unable to coach against New Orleans. McCarthy not uh, still not with the team today, but he is expected to uh, be officially cleared to return to the team on Thursday. Even joked to members of the media that he was going to be uh, at the offices at 12.01 Thursday morning, which would be the first time that he would officially be able to return. Cowboys are sitting there at 8-4, and four, and you would think that this team is 6-6, six and six, or maybe they would be in the position that Washington is in. But no, the Cowboys are atop the division, and while it hasn't been pretty, there's still eight wins on Dallas's schedule. Dak Prescott has come under some criticism for for how he has played. Now, Prescott uh, recently re, you know, returning to the lineup. Uh, the Cowboys ended up dropping that Thanksgiving Day game uh, to the Raiders, but got a good win against the, uh, the, the Saints on Thursday. And while Dak wasn't perfect in that game, he was also had the opportunity to have Jerry Jones come to his defense to defend the uh, inability for Dak to make certain plays in that game. I want you to hear what Jerry Jones had to say earlier today on the ticket in Dallas talking about how the Cowboys need to get better. The thing that you're seeing is sometimes the pass that looks errant is because uh, the receiver, for instance, ran the route, uh, cut it off two yards shorter. He should be out two more yards before he makes his cuts. It can make all the difference in the world as far as his ability to separate. 
it has a relativeness to the other receivers. And so if you're not really crisp on the way the play was designed relative to how many yards you go, the cut, uh, then you passing game can look really off. And uh, that's one of the answers. Better route. Jerry Jones has not been shy in telling his receivers and how he feels about them, whether it be with Amari Cooper's COVID situation or with how the Cowboys were running routes. Dak against New Orleans was 26 of 40 for 238 yards, had the interception, also did throw a touchdown pass. But again, what you, what you see there, I think, are two things. Is Jerry Jones is a guy who not only wants to let you know that he knows a little bit more about football than you would think he knows, but also that he has his quarterbacks back. He has Dak's back. That is what Jerry Jones wants you to know, and that's what he was telling the ticket today in Dallas. It is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Byer at our network headquarters in Los Angeles. Going to reconnect with R.J. Bell and A.J. Hoffman in Las Vegas coming up in a bit. That's next year on Straight Out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words that I have... Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer at our network headquarters in Los Angeles. Don't worry. We are now going to Las Vegas. Is joining us on the line, a different kind of line than he's usually used to when he's doing the show. The one and the only R.J. Bell is here to get us ready for week 14. And R.J., the big news today of the NFL came from Chicago where Matt Nagy named Justin Fields the starting quarterback for their matchup against the Packers on Sunday night. Well, I tell you, Dan, let me tell you to start with, this is a nightmare I had once. My show was gone, you were running it, and I was a guest. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, it, I don't like it. I don't like it. But <laughs> usually <laughs> you so you're the one throwing the meat. With us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is I, I agree in, in Chicago, this Justin Fields reaction to the odds here is really surprising. You would think, and, and most people would, that, hey, Justin Fields has a bigger upside in the future, but Andy Dalton is more – puts you in a better situation to win now. Well, the betting market made no adjustment. So with, um, you know, with Fields cleared, you know, so they're saying in theory he's not hindered at all. But in, in theory, coming off an injury – you're going to be a little bit less than 100%. Because if just last week you couldn't play, now you're playing, do we assume you're 100%? No. So even at 95%, Justin Fields, no market reaction here means that they think he's equal at 95% to Andy Dalton. That's surprising. And, uh, RJ, I I played this a little bit earlier, but I want you to listen to what Matt Nagy had to say because it wasn't a Justin Fields is our guy full go sort of comment. This was the Bears head coach earlier today, and I want to get your reaction. This comes down to, for him, like I've been saying the whole time, it's a pain deal that we can't really simulate, but we go off of what he says, we go off of what our doctors say. And when, when he's fully cleared like he is, then we're ready to rock and roll. He's the starter when he's healthy, and that's where we're at. Yeah, so, I mean, what's your take on that? Well, I find it interesting that there's going to be some pain that uh, that, that 
Matt Nagy is going with Justin Fields, that it's not even a play it safe and make sure that our rookie quarterback is 100%. It's if doctors say he could go, he's going to be out on the field, even with a capable backup in Andy Dalton. There could be some remnants of that rib injury affecting Justin Fields. It doesn't seem to matter if the doctors say he's good, he's going to go. I thought that was interesting for Matt Nagy. Yeah, I agree. I think what you're saying is, another way to say it is, he is going with Fields if he possibly can. There's no Mm -hmm. mitigation. There's no, like, you know, if everything works out perfectly, it's like Fields, Fields, Fields. I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe this is coming from above. Sure. Right. Yep. Yep. That's been the theory that that we've seen from Chicago that that it wasn't Matt Nagy making the one that it was the uh, McCaskey family uh, making the decision uh, that Justin Fields would be their starter. And and, and let's be honest, the odds of uh, the odds of the coach being back next year, Nagy, is very small. So at this point. I mean, why would they let him make the decision? But it is interesting that the decision is being driven by, <clears throat> it seems like today's concerns and not the future, but what are they really pay- playing for right now? Right? They're not going to make the playoffs. Correct. Yeah, at 4-8 and eight right now, it would be very difficult. <laughs> Despite all the teams that are seemingly in the, uh, in the picture in the NFC, you would think that the Bears would be a long shot. No, no doubt. And, I mean, Nagy's a long shot to not be the first coach fired. Sure. I yeah. mean, so. Yeah, the, the, the Matt Nagy era in Chicago likely coming to an end. The Trevor Lawrence era in Jacksonville we think is at the beginning. We think Jacksonville is on the road taking on the Titans in an AFC South Division matchup this Sunday. Uh, is it the beginning of the Trevor Lawrence era? Is there maybe more to be concerned about in Jacksonville? Well, I, the, the beginning of the era is come and gone. And he, I mean, he's horrible. I mean, how bad? Who's worse? <laughs> the only name that I could come up with was, was Davis Mills, but he's not even technically the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Yeah, and and if it, and he and listen, obviously Houston's been letting go of their top players um, <clears throat> in whatever way. I mean, it's they're trading them, they're sure. cutting them. I'm not sure what they're doing there. Houston is as bad as I think they're the worst team. Clearly. But the thing about Jacksonville, and A.J. Hoffman, the co-host of the show, made this point in our production meeting. He was talking about how, excuse me, is late in the Jacksonville game, they were down. They still had a chance to win last week, a small chance, but they weren't really throwing the ball. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you're down big, you have like a 1% chance to win, but the only chance you've got is to throw the ball. Okay, they weren't. Why? I said maybe they're protecting Lawrence, right? And w- which wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But now the question becomes, okay, you're protecting Lawrence for the future. Isn't that contrary to what the Bears are doing, which is somehow exposing Fields, even when he's off an injury, for what, though? I don't know. The Jaguars, too, were dinged up at the running back position, so it's not like it was a a great strength of theirs or a spot where they had a lot of depth. James Robinson was a running back that that was dinged up throughout the week. Carlos Hyde taking some of the the snaps and some of the workloads, so to continue to run the ball when you're also thin at the running back position doesn't make a ton of sense. Speaking of the running back position, as we look ahead to Week 14 in the NFL, and if you're just joining us, R.J. Bell is here. He's on the phone right now. I'm talking to him. I'm Dan Byer. It is straight out 
to Vegas. R.J. Bell's show just having some difficulties connecting from L.A. to Vegas right now. The Saints have the Jets coming up on Sunday. And while the game means a lot for the Saints, I'm not sure how much it really means for the Jets, but the Saints did get some good news as Taysom Hill was able to fully practice today despite that finger injury. And Alvin Kamara was back practicing for New Orleans, R.J. How much does this affect the Saints as they face the New York Jets? Well, Kamara for sure is a big addition. I mean, when you don't have any playmakers at all, really, getting one is meaningful. I think that with Taysom Hill, how good was he when he was 100% healthy? Not good at all, right? So now you've got an injury that – now, we don't know the severity. Right? How does it compare to the Russell Wilson injury? Because that's the it's yeah. being called the same injury, right? That's what you're hearing? The, yes, in the report, just to clarify, which – uh, is in line with what we are hearing is that it was not as severe as Russell Wilson's injury, which is why Hill is continuing to play with the injury. So the question becomes, is it kind of analogous to how Russell Wilson felt the first time he came back? So the theory is Russell Wilson played as early as possible, mm-hmm. right? and he didn't play well for multiple weeks. If Taysom Hill is just on the cusp of being able to play – that would say, hey, he's about where Russell Wilson was when he came back, right? Which would mean it's less severe, but if it was as bad as it was when he came back, Russell Wilson looked horrible. Sure. Yes. So to me, to me, this is a situation where if there's one thing the Jets can do, the Jets can defend the run a little bit. I mean, they're average, let's say, defending the run. So if the Saints can't pass, you know the Jets have trouble passing. I mean, I, I think the Jets have one priority. Don't make Wilson to be like an off-season controversy about how bad he is. I kind of like the under in this game. I don't think that, I mean, I know it's low, but I don't think the Saints are going to be able to score if you have a limited Taysom Hill. And I know the Jets aren't going to be able to score a lot. You just got to hope Wilson doesn't throw a bunch of interceptions. If it's a conservative game plan, love the under. Uh, the uh, the fact that Taysom Hill also is not known as a throwing quarterback, I think, could also lend to that. That even even when he did throw and was fully healthy, RJ, you probably weren't going to get the uh, you know the the great production that even someone like a Russell Wilson would have, despite that finger injury. Well, if Belichick was the coach against the Bills, it'd be fine. But generally, <laughs> that's going to be a problem not throwing the ball. Uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys are getting their head coach back this week when they take on Washington. Mike McCarthy should be in the building coming up on. Uh, uh, on Thursdays, when the first time he's going to be back in there, Jerry Jones. Uh, we played a little soundbite getting on his wide receivers again, but a big division showdown coming up Sunday in the NFC East between Dallas and Washington. Yeah, so Washington is a team that I was bragging like, oh, we had them plus three fifty to win the division, and it was like plus one sixty entering the year, <clears throat> and then all it's been is bad, bad, bad until what five games ago. And Washington, you know, they had that Green Bay game that they almost won, and then they've turned it around. I think they were unlucky early in the year, Washington, and I think they've been lucky in the last month or so. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, and I would make the case, <coughs> excuse me, I would make the case that the Washington's chances aren't great because Dallas has gotten healthy. It's easy to look at Dallas and say, oh, they started fast, and now they're not so good. But the truth of the matter is, they've been banged up 
you know, their left tackle was out. Obviously, Zeke's been, you know, whatever you want to call him, out of shape, mm-hmm. but then he played pretty well. And then the receiver's out. I mean, Dak hasn't looked great. If we believe it's about the injuries and the absences, you've got to like Dallas here. If you think in general there's a bigger problem with Dak, that's a bigger story. I'm not sure that's the case. But if Dallas plays poorly here, you know, Washington controls their destiny. If Washington wins out, they win the division. So that ticket will look very smart all of a sudden, or maybe not very, but it'll be a nice one to have. A lot of the audience has it. But it's kind of daunting to think Washington's played so poorly for a big chunk of the season, and they still control their destiny. If if Dallas loses this game, I think there's going to be a lot of drama in Dallas. So it's going to be an interesting one. I lean Dallas, but part of me doesn't want to hope almost for what you know how it is when you have something you want and then it falls way short and you give up on it but then it starts kind of you like hey there's a chance there's a chance the minute you start believing in it is when <laughs> it gets ripped away again dan yes so what i'm going to say is no chance Washington's going to win this division. I, I'm not going to let my heart get involved. I, I liked Washington at the beginning of the year, and now that they're in the thick of it, for all the reasons that I like them, they aren't there. Chase Young is done for the season. Montez Sweat has been out a while, and now he's tested positive for COVID. However, uh, Washington still remains in the thick of things. I do want R.J. Bell on the line with us. It is straight out of Vegas. I'm Dan Beyer hanging out with R.J. because of some technical difficulties. Another big division matchup as we look ahead to week 14 is pretty unique in that the Ravens are taking on the Cleveland Browns. And the reason why we say it's unique is if memory serves me correctly, these teams just played in week 12 and the Browns just had a bye. So it's back-to-back weeks actually for Cleveland or back-to-back games where the Ravens are going to be their opponent. Right now, the uh, the Ravens minus one on pregame.com, but a big divisional showdown, RJ, in the AFC North. I mean, I cannot think of a situation that would be more favorable to the Browns. So you play a first game. You get to buy. Now, a late-season buy means you've been wanting that buy. You need that buy because you've had all these games. and This is later than buys have been historically, right? So now you've got to lay buy, which means you know, you, the rest does you amazing good if you're the Browns. And then who would you want the Ravens to play? Oh, I don't know, maybe on the road at Pittsburgh, their, their most hated rival, and then have them lose a heartbreaker and now have to play the Browns again who've been waiting. The fact that the Ravens are even pick them here or one, you know, favored, is a sign of a, a real disrespect for the Browns, no doubt about it. And um, the situation is – you know, what I hear, Dan, is that we actually have our, our uh, good line reconnected here. So All you, right. you want to take a break and I'll then tell we you can jump I'll, on there? I'll tell you what I'll do, RJ. I will let the nation know what is happening in the world of sports. Whoa, whoa, Dan, Dan, we can't do that without me throwing it to you. Oh, that's true. That's true. Go ahead, RJ. The, the, the show is yours and the floor is yours. All right. When we, in a moment. We're going to tell you how much better I sound on a real ISDN rather than a phone line. First, though, let's see what's trending with Mr. Dan Byer. Uh, RJ, a lot more happening in the NFL. We hit on some stuff and some stuff we were about to get to, including the Thursday night matchup between the Vikings and Steelers in the Twin Cities. That's uh, tomorrow night. It starts week 14. Minnesota going to play without Adam Thielen, ruled out because of his high ankle sprain. Vikings running back Dalvin Cook, who has that shoulder injury, officially listed as question. 
questionable for that game. Niners take on the Bengals coming up this weekend. 49ers running back Elijah Mitchell didn't practice today because of a concussion. Kyle Shanahan said he also had his knee looked at, and there's some irritation there. Debo Samuel, who didn't play in the Week 13 loss to Seattle, also missed today's workout. How about this from college football? Fresno State hiring Jeff Tedford as their head coach. If it sounds familiar, it's because it's his second stint with the Bulldogs. Coach there from 2017 to 2019. Tedford's now back at his alma mater for a second time around. Nebraska has hired Mark Whipple as the school's offensive coordinator. He most recently was at Pitt, where he resigned yesterday from that position to go to Lincoln and take over the Cornhusker offense. And in golf, less than 10 months after almost losing his leg in a car accident, Tiger Woods says he'll compete with his son Charlie in the PNC Championship next week. Tiger will be allowed to use a golf cart in the event. Touched on this quickly earlier, John Moran to the Grizzlies entered the NBA's COVID protocols. Bulls guard Matt Thomas, the fourth Chicago player to be placed in COVID protocols, and Hawks forward Solomon Hill tore his hamstring he's done for the year. Finally, Serena Williams will not play in next month's Australian Open. RJ, back to you. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. Now, how much better do I sound? How much better? Oh, so much better. But uh... I don't even know who that other guy was. <laughs> Mr. Dan Byer, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, thank you guys. so much. you got to love the guys at Fox. I mean, we're scrambling Fox Sports Radio and just pro, pro, pros, pros, A.J. Hoffman. I agree. The fan who beats the man. What are we getting into? We were talking Trevor before. What's, what's with this guy? I, he's he's not very good right he's now. Spoiled. Certainly, he's spoiled. I think that he's he, a brat. He might be. He had it really good for a he long time, be. where he everything was going his way. He's not a guy who's ever dealt with failure, and this is his first dose of and Urban we, Meyer too. At least, and we should say we don't know what happens behind the scenes, right? He, who knows, right? So let's not act like we know that. I don't want to act like that. But in the sporting life, in the life of sports, and from the outside, the appearances. He's had a lot of, I don't like to use the word privilege, but he's had it his way. Do you think him telling the coaches, hey, we need James Robinson on the field, do you think that's him crossing a line? Or do you think that's him saying... How often does Tom Brady talk about who should be on the field with him, with Belichick for the first 20 years? I've never heard it. How? I mean, have you? who have we heard do this at all? Honestly, when I first read it, I said, that sounds like something Aaron Rodgers would say. But it, it's something that you he would say in the offseason in a snarky way, but maybe not even explicitly. But is it possible that he's feeling this pressure because he's yes. failing for the first time? That's and what like, it is. Listen, it, I mean, he's, he's right in a way because James Robinson is their best player. Well, like, first of all, we don't know if he's right. Because right? Urban Meyer is not, does not wear a dunce cap. Let's start with that. He's one of the five best college football coaches ever by any normal metric you might measure it by. Now, if we believe you're a college football guy, can a dunce do that? No. Okay. But it it feels like if you if you go on a golf course and you don't have a putter, mm-hmm. you feel like you're at a disadvantage. Like I could be a lot better if my okay. if my putter was in my but, bag. But if there's a guy who's your coach of golf who's saying you only get what is it, 14 clubs, you only get a certain number of clubs, and it's better for you to have a seven wood than it is a putter, you know what? It might not make sense to you, but that's why you have a coach. A co- this is like analytics. People like analytics till they disagree with them. As long as it passes the eye test, they like the analytics. 
But then when it doesn't, they trust their eyes. You know what? The analytics are useless because it's only you're going to just agree with your eyes no matter what, right? Okay. Your coach is useless if you only listen to him when you agree with him. Am you I, see what I'm saying? I, I do see what you're saying. Am I wrong to th- like if this were Belichick, I wouldn't question it. But because but, but it's Urban, Urban Meyer's Ma- not. If that's the case, if he's lost the authority to be the coach, he shouldn't be the coach. And I think that is the problem. The fact that Trevor Lawrence is willing to say this, and here's the quote: "In my eyes, obviously, I'm the one that's out there. That's out." I don't even know what that means. I'm the one that's out. See all the pieces moving. I see the whole picture. Okay, so what he's saying is, I know better than the coach. Trevor Lawrence is saying, I know better than the coach. He wouldn't do that to Belichick or Andy Reid or or pretty much is there. There might be a handful, maybe Nagy. You know, you got to look at Fields. You don't think Fields has a right to say something like this? If if because what it is is. And it's interesting. Trevor Lawrence, I tweeted out yesterday, I said, world hunger maybe, maybe could be solved if we took the collective energy <laughs> of the sports media trying to explain away Trevor Lawrence's crappy quarterback play. We could maybe redirect that and, and cure anything, really. World, world hunger? Doesn't matter. Well, he has felt the pressure without even the press. Imagine him in New York facing real heat. He's, he's down there ensconced in Jacksonville. No one's complaining because everyone's so in love with talent. Oh, my God. Everyone's, this is back to one of my basic premises, AJ. Everyone's a quasi-scout. Everyone wants to act like they're a scout. So they go, well, Trevor Lawrence is a five-tool. You don't know five tools. Well, but the, I mean, the real scouts actually said that, but, too. But, uh, fair enough. But the, it, the real scouts aren't the one defending him now. It's all the people in the media that latch on to the real scouts and say, oh, I got scouts on my speed dial. It's like, OK, you think they're telling you exactly the truth or they're telling you what has an agenda for them? If it's a guy they were high, think about this for a second. No one's ever said this on national radio. Here it comes. In fact, I mean, this is the kind of thing you just aren't going to hear typically. <laughs> Here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh... Or not. If you're a scout and you're talking to anyone, let's just say uh, Mr. Mainstream Media Bigwig X is his name, all right? Or her name, doesn't matter. Mina Kimes. No, no. I'm saying a generic person, oh, okay. not any in- individual. I'm not sure who you're talking about, but okay. So, is that you just made that name up? No. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, imagine this. Imagine that you were high on Trevor Lawrence. Right, and now... This person calls you, hey, what do you think? Uh, he's struggling, but it can't be, right? He's 5'2". What are you going to say if you were high on Trevor Lawrence? Oh, Hey, he's right on pace. They're doing a few things wrong in Jacksonville. But as soon as they get that right, he'll be fine. Is that what you're going to say? Because you want the narrative to affirm your position. Because your standing in your own organization is going to be dictated by that. So me as someone who believed believed that Trevor Lawrence would be good. Uh Uh-huh. I sit here and I see him. You see it through goggles. And well, but I can I can also say he stinks. Mm-hmm. It, now, do I still believe that he? It, like, do I think this is him forever and ever? I tend to believe no. Well, let me ask you: How many quarterbacks? And let's put Peyton Manning not on this list. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. 
because this was he was a, a, a rookie in 1999, last yeah. century, right? Prince was going around doing the tour for his song. I mean, it's like been a long time ago, right? The kids born the day after the last day of Paint Manning season are like drinking right now. Right, think about it. Wow. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually true. Wow, almost. I think a couple of weeks. So, and we're not saying they're all drinking, mm-hmm. and many of them drank before, but legally drinking. That's how long it's been. Since then, tell me a quarterback that's looked atrocious his rookie year that ever became a top 10 quarterback. Kyler Murray. He didn't look atrocious. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll take a look at the stats of Kyler. He was he, he certainly improved, but Kyler Murray wasn't atrocious. I don't think you realize this. If you look at QBR, if you look at EPA, any of these good metrics, it's like the worst is Wilson, the second worst is Trevor Lawrence, the third worst is Fields. I mean, this is like the you know, no wonder everyone's trying to defend not taking Mac Jones with all these rationalizations. But you are right that it did seem like in the past it seemed like Troy. Aikman, I know had a bad rookie season. John oh, Elway. That's 35 I know that's years what I'm saying. Ago. It doesn't happen as much now. Now, but also the leash is shorter on first round picks now. Josh Rosen stunk, and the well, next year they were like, You're well, out. Well, any, yeah, he stunk so bad, but that doesn't ever happen. I mean, the fact Sam Darnold got a fourth try <laughs> tells you that doesn't happen. By the way, Murray's rookie year, 15th in total QBR. He's he's 32nd or 31st. I mean, it's like it's a whole other yeah. universe. And, and I'm not saying no one has been. I'm saying if you say first year, how predictive is it to success? It's like if you succeed in your first year by a metric of, let's say, top 20 quarterback, let's call that success, top 20. How many of the top 20 people went on to become good quarterbacks? I'd say maybe 80%. First year, if you're top 20, 80%, you become a good quarterback. If you're at the very bottom of the list your first year, Maybe ten percent. There might be a couple. I don't can't remember them off the. Uh, you know, Jared Goff would be an example. But again, was what was correct? Jared Goff's rookie year being bad, or his second year being good? Well, yeah, uh, Matt Stafford. I know had a bad rookie season, but even then, that's going back a pretty long way. Well, let's take a look. So let's do this. Let's take our break. When we come back, because of the little, you know, technical difficulty we had before. I'm Caused gonna, by Brad. N- that is what people are speculating. <laughs> I'm not saying it's true. The circuits on Bradbot got crossed with the, with our circuits. Well, and he, it's... he has to stay five feet away from any electronic right. equipment. But when we come back, because of that, I'm going to give an RJ special early best bet that I usually don't give. This is a new one. By the way, 4-1 last week. Six out of seven winning weeks, AJ. And he's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the world. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's take a look at these rookie quarterback or rookie quarterbacks and how they performed their rookie year and how that translated into long-term success for them. Yeah, here's what we're trying to do. And I got a best bet coming up, a special one for you. A.J., this is a bet there was zero chance of him agreeing with. <laughs> and I told it to him. He goes, yeah, I like that, too. Uh, you say you got documentation. We'll see. <laughs> but, but, but. How? When do we disqualify a quarterback? When are they so bad in their rookie year that we say, you know what? Pack them up, buddy. We're done with you. 
Let's look at the top, I don't know, dozen or so quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And how good were they their rookie year? Or let's be this, their first year as a starter. Mahomes was first in QBR. And we're going to use QBR in all cases. Number two, Aaron Rodgers was 11th in QBR. Okay. Tom Brady, there was no QBR back then, but he won the Super Bowl. He was pretty good. Okay. Matt Stafford, 24th. 24th. Okay. Out of 32. Okay. Herbert, we know how good he was last year. And this is just our top quarterbacks. 13th last year. And we got Josh Allen was 24th. So we had Stafford, 24th. Allen, 24th. Dak Prescott, first year starting his rookie year. Third in QBR. Tannehill, 18th. Derek Carr, 27th. So he would be, I would say, a problem. Wilson, third. Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson. Now, his rookie year, let's just say this. Wasn't great in QBR. He played half a year. Let's call him one you could say, hey, he was a project. Because obviously he won the MVP the next year. But we're not talking the next year. So he was also more of like a package player. Yeah, but QBR does well. No, remember they Flacco started and then he started like the second half of the year. Then they lost to the Chargers. So what we're saying here is now let's read the current rookies' QBR. So right now we've got the let's go from the bottom of the list. Back. So who's worse? Trey Lance does not qualify. Oh well, listen. He he's the best of the bunch. <laughs> They're just holding him back. <laughs> Zach Wilson, thirty-two, twenty-five I, is his QBR. Uh, yeah, don't worry about the QBR. Okay. He's, he's last, thirty-second. Okay, I'm not feeling good about what. Now you could say, well, what about? Okay, history tells you of the top dozen or so quarterbacks, they tend to do at least decently. About half of them do exceptionally well. Sure. I mean, for, imagine right now. I mean, let's just jump to Mac Jones. Where's Mac Jones? Mac Jones is 14th. F- yeah, 14th on the list. Okay, 14th. So he's right in the middle. That's not even good compared to Mahomes. Like Dak. What I'm saying is Dak. And so that can happen, right? You know, Brady obviously was a top 10 his, the year he won it. Uh, Prescott was. Wilson was. So there's more. There's many more that are in the top five, the rookie first year starting, than there is at the very bottom of the list. Well, on this list, there's only one guy who's down in the 30s that that made anything of himself. Lamar Jackson, right? And and that's a situation where you could say he was a project. Sure. And they had to build because there's a reason he went last in the first round, right? They even Baltimore passed on him and took a tight end earlier. Yeah. This Trevor Lawrence was not supposed to be a project. Exactly. So continue on the list. Uh, Justin Fields, 31. Okay. Davis Mills, 30. Uh huh. Trevor Lawrence, 28. All right. Who was 29? Uh, Jared Goff. Okay. (laughs) So what we're saying here is right now, Trevor Lawrence is worse. If you take the top dozen quarterbacks in the NFL and say, how did they do their first year starting by QBR? Only one of the dozen is as bad as Trevor Lawrence. During their first year starting versus his. Now, hey, there's a couple games left. Now that he's dictating who's going to be on the field, <laughs> maybe his performance is going to improve. But I listen, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine. I think he'll be like the 22nd best quarterback. But this he's going to be like Tua? Maybe not that good. But the worship, <laughs> but the worshiping of talent. Because you know what? If we make talent out to be the end all then we can all explain away our failures. 
right? Is is we could AJ? You could have. You didn't have the most talent when you strove to become a professional fighter, and you had, you know, a, what was it? One pro fight? Yes. But what I'm saying is that was an accomplishment. And you had how many amateur fights? Four. Four. And it was an accomplishment to get there. I, you worked hard at it, right? Yeah. And if you would, if someone would have said, "Oh no, look at the size of your hands," or "Look at the size of your, you know, your your cranium," you just you don't have the talent. You can't do it. Well, you could have just went and sat on the couch and skipped the whole effort, right? Is to me that the tyranny of talent. I just made that up. That takes talent. The tyranny of talent is bad for all of us because it's easy. There's very few things that we're going to be one of the most talented people in the world at, if any. And to me, this is a situation that Trevor Lawrence, I hope he does fine for himself. I hope he doesn't do too well, because let's be honest, I'm out on the limb with this one. <laughs> but history says Trevor Lawrence will not be an elite quarterback. My best bet in the NFL this weekend, an early one, I like... The Atlanta Falcons against the Carolina Panthers. Atlanta favor or a two and a half point underdog. The game's at Carolina. This is real simple. Atlanta was fairly competitive with Tampa. They didn't cover. That's two in a row against Tampa that made it look like oh they're they're not very good. But in truth, the the gameplay was closer. Now what we what we know about Atlanta is, and AJ, you've been on this street. They have a running back, Cordero Patterson, and he is instrumental at this point. Now that Ridley's been out, he is necessary to be on the field for them to have enough playmakers. So he's healthy, and last week they lost. So people are like, well, maybe that trend wasn't really true. But this is even more an anti-Carolina play. Joe Brady got fired in the middle of a bye week. Why would they fire him in the middle of a bye week? There's, there's turmoil in Carolina. Cam's been atrocious. Best bet, give us Atlanta plus two and a half. All right. If you missed any of today's show, including me coughing on a landline, I, 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 my lunch was in my throat. Let's just say this. If you get the podcast, start about halfway through might be the answer. <laughs> and you can, of course, check that out at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're going to be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. Hey, I tell it the way it is, man. When I say you should check something out, you should. And by the way, tomorrow, Thursday night football. That cheeseburger salad will get you. (laughs) He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!